Hello, my name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and you're listening to Keep Off the Borderlands, a podcast about not playing RPGs. Hey, long time no speak. Um, <laughs> hope this finds you well. I've been, I kind of have been struggling a bit coming up with uh, what I would consider to be interesting content and life has been getting in the way as well. Just been busy elsewhere. But I'm back and uh, let's get on with it. Hey, what's up, man? It's it's Froth and I'm listening to your latest and I heard you. Uh, really entertaining episode, the way you're weaving the calls in, by the way. Well done. But uh, I heard you just kind of mentioned in passing during part of it how you like castles and crusades uh i've talked with rob c about it before we both like that game it's one of the only uh osr games that i i don't really have a need to to house rule i I really like the way it does just about everything but what i was going to mention is and i don't know exactly i mean i'm sure it's not going to affect shipping that much but if you go on the troll lord games site and actually register on there where they can send you emails and stuff there is no other game company that does more frequent, I mean, seriously low discount um, specials. And they'll often have specials where they say something's damaged, you'll get like 70% off, but then I'll order it and I can't even find the damage. So that is a game you can really get into cheap as far as print goes. Hey, Froth, good to hear from you. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for the tip, man. I've... Uh... You know, I've uh, subscribed to their uh, to their webpage, and I'm not sure whether the the shipping would wipe out any benefit I get from their reductions. I'll probably stick with the PDFs, but um, but thanks for pointing that out to me. Cheers. Take care. Hey, Spencer, it's Joe again, man. Uh, another fantastic episode. I was calling in to let you know. Uh, when you were talking about solo games with Liren, there is a podcast that I listen to called Me, My Spouse, and a Die. It's this super adorable uh, husband and wife that are playing through uh, you know, a one-on-one homebrew 5e game, and it's, it's, it's really fun, man. Uh, it's, it's a great show. It's super family-friendly. And they're doing really good stuff over there. So if you're looking for something like that to listen to, check out uh, Me, My Spouse, and a Die. All right, man. Keep up the great work, dude. And I will talk to you again. Peace out. Hey, Spencer. It's me again. Uh, I was just calling. I'm wondering if you are, if your show is available anywhere else other than Anchor. Uh, I personally just, I do not like the Anchor app as far as listening to podcasts go. I just, it's kind of a pain in the butt for a bunch of reasons. Um, you know, a lot of which have to do with my lack of vision and it not being very user friendly for people that are using screen readers and stuff. So yeah, let me know if you're anywhere else and keep up the, keep up the great work, man. Keep it up, dude. And I, yeah, I just hope things are going good. Peace out. Hey Joe. Good to hear from you. Uh, Thanks for the tip, man. I'm going to listen to that podcast for the title alone. Me, my spouse, and a die. (laughs) Great stuff. Um, Also, uh, distribution-wise, I've pretty much got Anchor set up to do that automatically, but I 
I'm on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker and Radio Public. But I probably, I'm going to look into how I can broaden that distribution, get myself on iTunes and uh, stuff like that. I'll look into that. Okay. Anyway, you take care. Yay, I'm on iTunes. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh, Spencer, man, love uh, Manny. Awesome stuff. I feel like um, you just stuck a load of pressure on me with this game, though, but hey. Uh, good, man. Thanks, stuff. Good stuff. Um, you brought the, I guess, the darling race of my own set into life. Love it. Cheers, man. Hi, Jay. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, I do hope you're not feeling any pressure. I'm just having a bit of fun, and I hope you are too. And the great thing about this uh, play-by-message thing is that we can go at whatever pace you want to go at. And, um, you know, I know you've got a lot of stuff on at the moment. And, uh, you know, just uh, don't be so hard on yourself. Take care. Hey Spencer, thanks for reaching out to me on my other accounts and taking the time to watch the video. It was great when you came up, but yeah, another name. <laughs> hey, I have those too, so that's pretty cool. And as far as Men in Black, I'll tell you what, I, the one with Thor in it and Valkyrie, I would have liked to have seen more from Valkyrie, or her, I, think, I believe her real name is Tess, but Valkyrie from, from Avengers, you know. I'd like to have seen more of her story. For sure. I thought she was the most interesting character. And then I would have liked to see more from Emma Thompson. I love her. So I would have liked to see more of the, more girls. Less boys, more girls. That's what what I would have liked to see. All right. Thank you so much for contacting me on the other platforms. Whisk out. Hey, Ivy. Uh, Now, I hope I didn't give you the impression that I have seen the latest Men in Black film. Because that's not true. I was simply... um, you know, read a few reviews about it and the consensus was that it wasn't particularly good. I don't really have time for any of the sequels, but the first one is worth a watch. So if you haven't seen that, I think you're missing out. Always good to hear from you. Take care. So that was the legendary Frothsoff of the Thought Eater podcast. Joe from Wheel on One. Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue and Ivy the Happy Whisk. Thanks for your calls, guys. Um, and oh, there seems to be one more message here. Okay, Spencer, or is it Mr. Free for All? What's this I hear? You mentioned time bandits. Then you go trying to get off the hook under the pretense that because Froffers mentioned it. You don't have to do an episode. Get out of it. Come on now. Play the game. Let's be having it. A Time Bandits episode. Sounds like a great idea to me. Thank you, Colin. Uh, That was Colin Spike Pit Green there. Giving me a much-deserved kick up the jacksy that I so clearly need. Also, yeah, I hear your froth. No reason for me to not be doing a Time Bandits podcast. So, without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, there are seven acknowledged wonders of the world, but you are about to witness episode eight.
Being and Time Bandits. Now, I've always been a fan of Terry Gilliam. I mean, I'll even sit for his bad stuff. Well, oh, oh actually, no. I do draw the line at um, the Brothers Grimm, which is ironic because I the reason I love Gilliam and certainly Time Bandits, it's got that kind of roll dial aesthetic, you know, that kind of... I love kids' stories that emphasise the grim in fairy tales. And, yeah, I've probably loved Gilliam ever since I saw the classic 20th century frog production of Conrad Poos and his dancing teeth. Just, I love what he did. <laughs> and, uh, it just blew my mind, taking classic art and using them in a very sort of irreverent, nonsensical manner. But uh, The Time Bandits, well, what a film. Didn't see it in the cinema, but I probably saw it on Pirate Video, <laughs> which was uh, where I watched most things as a kid. And uh, it was probably why I was able to watch uh, The Holy Grail at such an impressionable age. Uh, the Time Bandits is a great kids' film, full of adventure and imagination and, um, yeah, a very kind of twisted, <laughs> nihilistic ending, um, which has appealed to my sensibilities for as long as I can remember. I mean, it's just full of such great lines. John Cleese as Robin Hood is just jolly good. And... Um, David Warner as evil is just probably his, his best role in his career. And that's, that's saying something. Um, uh, just wonderful. But as for using it for gaming material, uh, it's, well, you've got the wonderful use of time travel, obviously, uh, and it's used in a way where you don't have to worry about paradoxes and stuff. It's just an excuse to go to a time, perform a heist, may not have any great impact on the world at large, but just get in, get out, um, and try not to get yourself killed. I'm a big fan of time travel movies in general. They're just... Uh, you know, the concept of time travel. And uh, yeah, I could probably do a, an episode on that. But I think running a time travel game that had to incorporate paradoxes and, uh, well, parallel timelines probably would solve any issues of that, you know, every time uh, something's changed, it creates a new universe. But I wonder if you could do that in the way that it's handled in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, particularly where they're sneaking into the into the police station to get Bill's dad's keys, which is a fantastic scene. That would be a great use for kind of like fate points and stuff like that, you know, dropping things into a scene 
that you'd somehow managed to prepare at a future time and then gone back to assist yourself. In a more narrative game, if you wanted to play around with that. Anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I'm already lost. As for, you know, just playing straightforward, adventuring, I'd probably want to avoid that and go for the more sort of frivolous, uh, inconsequential kind of time travel that uh, is used in Time Bandits. Uh, But what really struck me uh, in relation to... Now, I mentioned on on, uh, Frothsoft's Top 3 Tuesday episode of um, the Thought Eater podcast, when I first came across Into the Odd and the incredible setting there, because I do think that's incredible, the way it's... uh, probably said this before, but systems that sort of sprinkle the flavour into the rules. It's kind of... I do struggle with with uh, reading rule sets where you've got... Uh, elaborate settings and setting material and all that kind of, uh, you know, world history before you actually get to the game. You know, I will always skip through that and go straight to the mechanics. I'm trying to think of some exceptions, but uh, for now, I'll leave that there. Yeah, so the uh, the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness, um, situated above the largest hole in the universe that would lead to any era of history. Just the possibilities of that. The way that Bastion is set up in Into the Odd, it's built on top of this kind... There's an amorphous, ever-changing underground. And that, that concept also brought to mind Dark City. Now, Now, it's not a perfect film, but I really like it, and um, if you do watch it, I would recommend uh, watching the director's cut because the the theatrical release um, gives away too much information at the beginning. The whole film's built on figuring out what's going on, and uh, yeah, you're better off starting out with as little information as possible. Uh, Because it kind of starts out as like a film noir, a guy with amnesia, there's a killer on the loose, there's a detective played by, uh, I want to say William Hartnell, Uh, uh, William Hurt, that's right. Um, And um, uh, yeah, so it starts out as pretty uh, noir, but then you realise there's something else going on underneath all this. the dark city of the title is being manipulated by um, mysterious individuals in a very interesting way. And that ties in with the whole Bastion thing as well, the the whole into the odd thing. So that was what was brought to mind for me when thinking about how a setting like into the odd would work because it's what's interesting about it is you've got a kind of a there's something quite mundane about the city of bastion itself yet it's surrounded by fantastical 
things. Um, there's this, yeah, this bizarre labyrinthian underground beneath the city that's almost where it's a place of sort of pocket dimensions where you know that kind of defies time and space uh, which is very interesting and then you've got the the surrounding land called the old country which is almost a medieval world that seems to exist in a different time and then there's also alien influences which which is something that uh, Ray Otis touched on when um, uh, when he suggested combining into the odd with uh, roadside picnic, which uh, which is a fantastic idea. Yeah, so you, you you've got these kind of weird alien technology. There are these mysterious aliens out there that are kind of in contact, but at the same time seem very remote. But yes, undoubtedly have an influence in what's going on within the city. And the city itself kind of brought to mind um, a sort of an industrial era. I'd probably, I wouldn't go as far as to say steampunk because it's not, it's probably more punk than steampunk, if that makes any sense. I know people have an issue with steampunk because it's used to describe things like um, more sort of fantastical worlds what, rather than when you think of punk you think of you know anti-establishment and um, just a break from a tradition and uh, I mean a lot of steampunk is like a in a way it's a celebration of a, like a golden era of discovery and te- technology uh, as opposed to an oppressive industrial environment where um, you know people are trying to eke out a living you know living in the cracks and um, oh yeah what else is there there's uh, I've just reminded myself of something else there's a MeWe page and also a there's a manga I know there's a a movie and a, a series of comics set in a world which I'm going to have to look that up in a second I'll probably uh, drop that right in here Uh, so the manga is called Blame the MeWe page is called Blame Crawl and it was set up by good old Samwise Seven and that seems like a an interesting uh, sort of uh, way to go as well, in the sense that it's people, it's it's people, it's far more futuristic compared to Bastion. Now this is a tangent I didn't predict that I'm going to have to incorporate somehow. Um, uh, but it's uh, yeah, futuristic setting where technology has taken over and is now. There's something quite matrixy about it, except it's set in the actual physical world where technology has developed a life of its own and it's doing its own thing and humans are kind of being forgotten about and are uh, living like, I guess, like rats, trying to get what they can, trying to avoid being detected by the technology, otherwise... You know, they'll be uh, exterminated or assimilated or whatever. 
I'm not entirely sure. I've seen the I've seen the animated film, but from what I understand, that's only a very small part of the world that's depicted. The fact that that's more futuristic brings me back to Bastion again. It seems that that Chris uh, McDowell, who I should have mentioned far earlier than this, as probably I would imagine many people may have switched off by now, but um, Chris McDowell has taken it in a slightly more... Uh, it seems to have gone in a slightly different direction, or rather, a, kind of the world is developed. It seems to, he's working on something called Electric Bastion Land. There is a playtest version of it available, and I believe he's launching a Kickstarter very soon for the kind of which is, and it will be the next sort of iteration of Into the Odd. Uh, but it's called Electric Bastion Land, and it's much, it seems to, the technology seems to have advanced a little bit. It's um, much more kind of uh, Edison and Tesla era, which is great. I think that's a great way to go, kind of that mixed with sort of more uh, bizarre elements. It seems to be leaning more towards that kind of golden age. Uh, but but knowing his kind of aesthetic, I imagine it will be, you know, far from golden. Uh, you, you'd be in the kind of... Uh, you'd be occupying the seedy underbelly. Uh, there's something very kind of... a uh, Brazil as well. I'm going to go, uh, go there and talk about um, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. In that you that you've got a world that's kind of portrayed as being uh, extremely organised, when in actual fact it's a complete disaster that does not work. It, things do not do what they're meant to do, and uh, everything is kind of ineffective. And living there is a nightmare. It's a world of delusion and distraction, trying to ignore. You know the problems that the people are surrounded by, which is uh, perfectly depicted by a scene where they're in a very fancy restaurant. Yeah, a bomb goes off, and kind of people are injured and being tended to. But the main concern seems to be that people who are dining are uh, not affected by it, and it's kind of a it's a twist on that. You know, kind of uh, the the very British idea of keep calm and carry on, but taken to extreme, complete ignorance of what's happening. I mean, that can easily be incorporated, which is why I think I love Into the Odds so much. And uh, one thing that I think a lot of people have a problem with, which I initially did, um, is the fact that there's no roll to hit when you are you just roll for damage if you attack something or something attacks you it's assumed that you're in combat and you're going to get hit so you're just rolling to determine what damage is done rather than wasting time swinging and not hitting anything 
I mean, because, in actual fact, that's a kind of quite a rare occurrence, isn't it? If somebody's... And also, as I've said before, I think I'd said on Arlen Walker's podcast, that hit points in Into the Odd are, are there to represent the effort of combat. And rather than taking, I mean, like superficial damage, rather than being actually wounded, you're being worn down. Your hit points are basically resilience, your ability to take a hit without actually being seriously injured by it. And it's not until your hit points are reduced to zero that you do start being injured and your and points begin to be taken from your stats uh, which uh, for me makes a lot more sense when it comes to healing because you're basically resting and just getting your energy back you know whereas if you've got damage to your stats those remain until you are able to get some kind of medical attention or or are healed in some kind of magical way uh, which um, is a lot more difficult because um, as far as magic is concerned in Into the Odd it's um, it's all to do with uh, magical items or, or bizarre technology so um, it's much more like uh, the the ciphers uh, from uh, Numenera, where you you have these items that may have a limited number of charges, but are weird and wonderful, uh, and may not suggest a particular use. The usability is left up to the player's imagination in how they can employ whatever the item might be, that the descriptions are suggestions. What I like, I like the idea of a strange, bizarre setting inhabited by quite mundane folk who are a bit of a loss as far as understanding the world they're living in is concerned, but they're, you know, they're still carrying on they're still trying to eke out a living and finding meaning in a seemingly meaningless world being surrounded by stuff that's beyond your comprehension and um yeah i just i i just love that idea boswellocks oh yeah i forgot to mention the kind of a sort of an otherworldly horror element to it that's not specifically addressed. It's kind of, as with a lot of the other elements of the setting, it emerges from the elements that have been put together and how they, how they interact. More an emergent sense of horror. Um, which reminds me of um, House of Leaves, 
by Mark Danielewski, um, uh, which is a very interesting book, um, written in um, something that's known as ergodic or ergodic, I'm not sure how you say it, um, literature, um, which is like um, the stories being told from different sources, I think, that's a crude understanding of what it is. I don't, I don't feel I've had it. I, I've discovered a very clear explanation, but a kind of a, like hypertext where you are sent off uh, to maybe different articles and whatnot in order to flesh out um, the story that's being told. Um, uh, like I say, that's a very crude understanding of it if it's a if it qualifies as an understanding at all i'm sure that um arlen walker could possibly set me straight on that um i've only actually just started reading the book uh but um essentially it's full of footnotes and and uh stuff like um where the the story starts with a was interrupted while talking about the House of Leaves there. Um, first of all, I need to clarify, I only recently started reading it. I was aware of some elements of the story and how it's laid out. And it starts off with a unreliable narrator who comes across a manuscript which is based on uh, some conflicting reports about an event... Uh, in which a strange, which a strange doorway appears inside somebody's house, and it goes on to uh, talk about them exploring what's beyond that doorway, and it leads into a series of long corridors, um, spiral staircases, wide open rooms, and what. What's interesting about it is it's the actual architecture of the place that creates the menace. Not sure whether they encounter anything in there, but just the way this place is constructed, it's really kind of ambiguous of how it's laid out. Stairways, rooms and corridors seem to expand and contract and... Uh, it just sounds very interesting and obviously uh, lends itself to the whole nature of the, you know, of what lies beneath Bastion. And so that kind of, I, I think that sort of uh, sums up what I like about Into the Odd, um, what I... Uh, why I think that um, Time Bandits and um, and Dark City in particular uh, lend themselves to it uh, as as a setting, certainly uh, for uh, a source of ideas. Yeah, it's something I um, find very, very interesting. I think I've rambled on quite long enough. So, uh, let's knock it on the edge, shall we? 
all and I just wanted to say a big thank you to TJ Melodorous Miasma of uh, Melodorous Miasma Meltdown. I just thanks for uh, indulging me on your show and um, what you do is amazing. You're a freaking genius. It's hilarious and um, I urge everyone to check it out. I keep anticipating it going a little too far. It's just perfectly judged comedy. Keep it up, man. Well, that's quite enough from me, I think. I really do appreciate your messages. If you want to get in touch, you can ask me absolutely anything. Whether I'll answer it or not is another thing entirely. But um, if you're not aware, there's a link in the description which will allow you to leave me a message on Anchor. You can always contact me by email if you prefer. Spencer.freeforall at gmail.com Look forward to hearing from you.